You're listening to The Journey Podcast. This podcast is part of a larger series called Topics, where we discuss apologetics and current cultural issues. The format of this series is more conversation-centered and will often include guest contributors. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. What's up, y'all? Thank y'all so much for listening to this podcast. We're pumped um, about this series. My name is Brandon Hayes. I'm uh, the Journey Pastor at Southcrest, and um, as we mentioned in the intro to this podcast, this is part of a series called Topics, where we just want to maybe address issues that um, maybe are, are brought up just as as history unfolds, or sometimes as we cover different sermons or different uh, sermon series, there may be some things that um, come up. Come up. So, for example. We went through Genesis at kind of the end of the spring, and uh, I say went through, really we spent some time in Genesis, kind of hopscotch through it, and when you talk in the book of Genesis, a thing that comes up is uh, creation, right? Genesis 1, and uh, evidence for a creator, um, and it brings up just kind of the issue of creation versus evolution, and um, can you trust the Bible, and uh, does science and the Bible contradict each other, things like that. And so today we're going to... Um, talk a little bit about evidence for a creator. And in this series that we do from uh, month to month, sometimes it may be two in a month or sometimes it may be every other month, um, but in this series, typically we're going to have um, a guest with us. And so today I'm excited. We have Mr. Tyler Wickstrom with us. How's it going, Tyler? Hey, it's good. Man, so glad you're here. Tyler has been a part of the journey for about two years now, right? And uh, man, I know Tyler won't want to brag on, on himself, and so I will. Uh, Tyler is a graduate student and instructor with the Atmospheric Science Group at Texas Tech University here in the good old LBK. And, um, and he's helped out with uh, field observations with landfalling hurricanes with um, Tech's hurricane research team. And uh, he's also um, done some work with uh, the National Weather Service up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yep. And uh, he also, super cool, he did some software development uh, with the Unidata Program Center at the University Corporation for Atmospheric Research in Boulder, Colorado. And so, uh, as you can tell, Tyler is a boss. He's a very, very intelligent guy. Um, so hopefully on this podcast, he won't make me look too dumb. Tyler, can you do that? I'll do my best for that. <laughs> very honest answer. I appreciate that. And so pumped about having Tyler here. And before I let him kind of take the reins and um, discuss some things with us, really well, what I'm excited about, what he's going to do, Tyler's going to kind of look at a little bit of evidence for a creator, for creation, um, from his field, from his perspective with atmospheric science, and uh, re- really cool. Um, but just kind of a little bit uh, of thoughts, kind of get the, the ball kicking around here. I remember some of my first, I guess, conversations and, and um, understanding and looking at, about looking at the evidence for a creator was in college, took a projects course with um, Dr. Mark Rathel and, uh, in Florida, and one of the things we talked about was just how you can look at um, creation, right? Whether it be a macro level or a micro level and see evidence for a creator. And some kind of, I guess you could say, metaphors to to understand that and even kind of make the argument he gave us where, um, let's say, we're walking along the beach. And um, if it's my wife, Lauren, it's very romantic. If, if you're not Lauren, then listening to this, then it's not romantic. We're just hanging out, having a good time. We're walking along the beach. And... Uh, we see written in the sand uh, the words, I love you. Probably 
neither one of us are going to look at that and go, oh my gosh, how crazy is that? Like maybe some little turtles like carved out I love you or maybe just the, maybe just the, this, the, the waves carved out in the sand or maybe, maybe the shells formed that and then the shells washed away. No, we're going to say an intelligent person wrote I love you in the sand. And if you tried, if you were there with me and you tried to say, no, I really think this just kind of happened on accident. I probably would respectfully tell you you're crazy because that just the odds of that happening are ridiculous. Or if we're up in, uh, let's say we're up in Buena Vista, Colorado, up in the Collegiate Peaks, hanging out hiking, and as we're hiking down a trail, we find a a watch on the side of the trail. Um, even if that tra- that watch was made out of wood, there's no way we're gonna think over millions of years this watch was formed and now functions and keeps time perfectly. No, we're gonna say, man, someone dropped their watch, right? Because clearly this watch. Um, there's a design element to it, and so there had to be an intelligent person, intelligent being who designed this watch. It just didn't happen. Um, nor uh, just kind of, you don't set an iPod, like an old old school iPod from like 2003 or let's say 2005, six, whenever they were put out. You don't set it on your desk and hope that in like a hundred years it'll morph into an iPhone. Like you don't do that, right? It's not gonna happen. It's ridiculous. Um, so we look at creation and we see elements of design and we say, man, there must be a um, creator. So uh, maybe an example of that would be, I'm going to be kind of vague here because I don't want to take up too much of Tyler's time um, to not get into specifics, but even the distance that the earth is from the sun, it is perfect for human life to flourish. It's not an accident. Um, That would be a macro level. Uh, to, To say it kind of in a silly way, much closer to the sun, and we would all be tan really, really fast, and probably melt. <laughs> and much further from the, the sun, and we'd all we'd all freeze. Uh, on a micro level, man, and I know you could get more micro than this, but the human eye is astonishing how the human eye functions and works. And uh, I love. I'm going to read uh, a little bit. It's actually uh, we're actually going to quote our good friend. Uh, I'm kind of being silly here, but our good friend Charles Darwin. He even looked at the eye. And here's what he said about it. Um, He kind of lists all the different things that the eye does. And he says, "The the idea that the eye could have been formed by natural selection seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest degree. And that was Charles Darwin in his book, Origin of Species. Um, That's that's kind of humorous to me. (laughs) Um, So even at a micro level, there's evidence of design, of, of order. And so... I would say that the Bible and, the, and science don't really contradict each other. Um, you could say you could say that um, you know the macroevolution theory contradicts the Bible, and I would say it does. That's also a theory. Um, and Tyler, you we were talking earlier. You mentioned something about this. You want to pitch in on um, like your observations with the Bible? Yeah, I mean, one of the things you have to keep in mind is that the goal of science is to observe the natural world and look at what we can see and observe and then make a a statement about why it is what we observe and how um, the world works. And so you can observe the entire world and then come to a conclusion either that is within what uh, the Bible says and agrees with the Bible, which uh, many scientists have done, or you can uh, reject that and try to... um, make a conclusion that is fitting within another worldview. And so really, science can't necessarily uh, prove one particular worldview or another, but can give evidence in support or in uh, contradiction to a particular view. 
Uh, absolutely. Uh, that's a great point. And I think it's, it's kind of funny. Um, actually, uh, we went, uh, I guess it was maybe a year ago, you and I and uh, several others to hike at Paladero Canyon. And uh, it's funny to think about how um, a Christian and an atheist could both look at that and um, the atheist may think, wow, man, like, it's just, well, this, how lucky we are to have this beautiful scenery where, where, where I, you and I as a Christian look at it and go, man, look at God's handiwork, right? And, um, we, again, you could, there's a lot to consider there about if you look at Scripture and what it says about how the earth should look um, and how it should behave and function, that's to me, that's what I see when I look at the world. Even to change the idea a little bit, or the, maybe the focus, even with um, the fall and sin and how sin destroys things and uh, brings brokenness to the world, the Bible says that because of sin, the world is broken and relationships are fractured. And when, you know, surprisingly enough, <laughs> when I look at the world, that's what I see. Broken relationships, fractured homes um, because of sin. And so, yeah, like you're saying, uh, look... Uh, Science helps me observe the world, and I would say, actually, it supports what the Bible says is true. And so, really, really cool. But Tyler, what I want to do now is let you um, kind of dig into this idea of evidence for a designer, evidence for a creator. Um, from your perspective, I'll let you uh, take that away, man. Yeah, certainly. Well, the first thing I'd like to hit on is um, just to talk about some scientists in the past who are um, founders and kind of the the basis of all the modern science. And these are uh, scientists who discovered fundamental um, aspects of the natural world that led to almost everything that we know today about the world. Um, these are many scientists who uh, looked at the world and affirmed the existence of a creator. Many of them were devout Christians and saw science as a means of understanding and and knowing more about God. And so uh, I've got a list here that I'll name a couple just to, to provide some context for what our conversation is going to be. Um, but these are scientists who were before contemporary to and uh, post the uh, time of Darwin. So none of these w um, scientists would say that their uh, views of creation have would be changed by um, subsequent scientific thought. Uh, so I, I think uh, it's really good to consider what some of these scientists had to say. So the first one I'll mention is Isaac Newton. Uh, he was a physicist and mathematician, uh, probably a name most people listening would be familiar with. Um, he's credited with discovering uh, what he called the laws of universal gravitation. We know those more commonly as Newton's laws. Um, they're the basis for all of modern physics and many of the earth scientists that are based on physics. Um, he, he's quoted in his writings as saying, quote, This most beautiful system of the sun, planets, and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent being. Um, so Isaac Newton uh, argued that there's no way that the earth he saw could possibly have formed outside of the intelligent design of a god and a creator. Um, the second scientist I'll mention is Johannes Kepler. Uh, he was an astronomer as well as an optician. Um, he's probably a fairly common name. Uh, he had many firsts. Um, but among those, he was the first to correctly explain the planetary motion that we now know to be um, true. 
He uh, is credited with developing the first of the modern natural laws or laws that are universal, universal, verifiable through experimentation and precise. They have uh, specifics as to what uh, they would predict to happen. Um, he's quoted as saying that science is, quote, thinking God's thoughts after him, which I, I'd like to just kind of hold on that for a second, because it's really cool to think that as a scientist and observing the world, like I'm thinking about some of the things that God may have been thinking of in creating the world. I just can't even imagine that. And to um, look at the way that God created the earth and the atmosphere and everything in it is just completely amazing. And, and I think one of the primary reasons that I became a scientist was to see the things that God created. So I'll, go, I'll continue on from there. I'm just going to briefly mention a few other uh, scientists that also uh, were um, strong believers in uh, Creator. Uh, Francis Bacon, who's credited with the um, creation of the scientific method or the systematic investigation of a particular question in search of new information. So the idea of creating a hypothesis and then testing that systematically and verifying if what you thought to be true actually is true. Is it true that he also uh, came up with bacon, like eating bacon, Francis Bacon? No? Sorry, Tyler. <laughs> I just... His name made me think about bacon. I got really excited. Unfortunately, no. <laughs> but he's still a very br a brilliant man. We'll still give him very, that. Very brilliant founder. Yeah. Uh, most of the research, and especially the way that we conduct research and design experimentation now, is still based on some of the things that Francis Bacon pioneered. Um, second one, Blaise Pascal. He is a founder of hydrostatics and pressure, and uh, inventor, one of the inventors of the barometer. Uh, very important for weather forecasting to know the pressure, but also um, it's important to a lot of other fields. He's also credited with some uh, probability theory, which is important to me just because it relates to my research. It's not um, a huge, huge thing that most people would probably be familiar with. Um, Michael Faraday is a pioneer in electromagnetism. The interesting thing about him is uh, some people may have heard of the Faraday cage, but essentially that's um, what your car acts as during a lightning storm, which is why you're safe to be in a car during a thunderstorm. And so Michael Faraday was one of the pioneers that discovered that. Um, John Dalton, atomic theory. Samuel Morse uh, is credited with the invention of the telegraph. James Joule was an early pioneer in thermodynamics. And uh, George Stokes is probably not a name that anyone is familiar with, but he was a pioneer in fluid mechanics. And so Joule and Stokes are, were both very uh, fundamental in some of the early research and development that led to what is now modern atmospheric science and meteorology. That's awesome. It makes me, uh, it's just cool. You're pointing this out as you go along. I've got, well, actually, go ahead and finish that last one. I'm sorry, I cut you off there. Yeah, and I was just going to mention Gregor Mendel is very famous in genetics for some of his um, plant experimentation and knows a lot, came up with a lot of what we now know about um, genetic selection and breeding and pollination and things like that. Man, I, I love the list you compiled because I was going to say a second ago before I <laughs> rudely interrupted you was, uh, or what I love about your list is that so much, it seems like of the foundation of modern science was laid by guys who, um, 
whether or not they're actually Christians, at least believed in a creator, right? Believed in God. Yes, absolutely. Uh, almost every um, branch of science, there is a, a fundamental pioneer who, uh, at the very least, believed in the existence of a creator, if not uh, pursuing the uh, relationship with him. Man, it's awesome. Um, I, I When I was when we were getting ready to, to do this podcast, I... Um, was looking through a few old notes uh, just about apologetics and things. And um, even uh, if you're listening, which again, I think this list, that list is very compelling, but if you're listening, go, oh, well, those guys are older and, you know, it's, it's 2019 now. Um, this is interesting. Uh, President Barack Obama, uh, when he was, when he was in serving, appointed Francis Collins, uh, and Francis Collins published a book presenting scientific and philosophical evidence for the existence of God. This book was called The Language of God. And President Obama appointed him uh, as the director of the National Institutes for Health, which is one of the world's most advanced and leading medical research centers. So again, this is not just, oh, these are the founding guys, and now things are changed. No, even, even currently, there are brilliant, respected scientists who believe in God, who believe in a creator. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Everywhere you look, all fields of science, there are published, well-respected scientists who would affirm the existence of a creator. Man, encouraging, right? We're not, it's not, uh, you're not just a country bigot if you believe in a creator. <laughs> that's not, that's not true. Um, Tyler, tell us a little bit about just some of the evidence of a creator. Yeah, so if, like we've been talking before, if we're going to have a creator, we would expect that the thing that he creates would have order. So back to your watch example, it um, tells time. It's put together in a way that has a specific function. And so we can see order in the um, world. And so the two things I would like to mostly focus on is that we would expect to find a natural world that is both orderly and supports life since we know from what the bible says that the pinnacle of creation was human life it should certainly point to a system that supports life and so starting with order um, mathematics describes creation in a way that is reasonable and understandable we can break things down in very complex systems. We can describe these in terms of simple laws, mathematical equations, um, things that can then be put back together to describe all of it or taken in pieces to understand parts more in a, a simpler, uh, more easy to understand manner. Um, one example I have for that is um, most people are probably familiar with F equals MA. Uh, force is equal to the mass times the acceleration. Uh, this is a fundamental law. It's one of Newton's laws, um, but it's the basis for physics, electromagnetism, fluid mechanics, uh, astronomy, much, much more. Um, atmospheric science has its base in uh, F equals MA. It's the basis for derivations of many, 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 many more complicated t uh, equations that describe complex systems, but at their basis are simply looking at all of the forces involved in that system and then the mass and the acceleration. Um, so I, as I mentioned, you know, very complex systems, even things like thunderstorms, uh, tornadoes can be understood in a way that starts with F equals MA. Um, a second example is wave physics. I absolutely love wave physics because... Something I've never said. <laughs> 
you you can describe a lot of things um, with the mathematics that go into wave physics, and so I happen to be a musician. Uh, I play guitar. I play. Uh, brass instruments. And so I can describe the way in which my instruments make a sound, the way in which the music works, the way in which the music fits together to be something we enjoy listening to uh, in terms of wave physics. Uh, if you- I want to point out there, ladies, not only is Tyler smart, he's also a musician. I'm just saying, and he's single. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> Sorry, I'm totally throwing you off. <laughs> Continuing on from that. Um, yeah, you can, you can put a, a string on a guitar and uh, it has a certain length and a certain tension on it. And so when you, when you vibrate that string, it will um, vibrate at a certain frequency and give you a certain sound. And then you can change the length or the tension to change the sound. Um, and so those kind of, that kind of description of a wave can also be applied to things like the way that my voice is making a sound and going into this microphone and being recorded by the recorder and then played back on whatever you're listening to this on. Um, it can be applied to things like how the sound waves move in a room and interact with each other either in a way that makes it better and easier to hear or makes it harder to hear. Um, but then even away from sound, you can, you can um, use waves to design and uh, describe the function of electronics, um, the travel of light and electromagnetic energy. Solar energy uh, is fundamentally based in wave physics in the way that we track its propagation and how it gets absorbed, reflected, and uh, re-emitted by the Earth. Um, if you drop a, a pebble into a pond and you see ripples moving across, that can be described by wave physics. Um, Ocean waves, tsunamis are wave physics. Uh, Disturbances in the upper atmosphere that lead to uh, weather systems and thunderstorms and tornadoes, many of those can all be described in a uh, basic way by the wave physics. Even to things like climate patterns and El Nino southern oscillations, these are all uh, understood in mathematics based in wave physics. And so we can describe very different things using a similar set of equations in physics. Man, that's that's incredible. Cool. Like, I love the examples you gave there. And, and again, just kind of as people are listening, because if you're like me and getting lost a little bit in some of the uh, descriptions and things sometimes, and all all of that pointing to um, order and order comes from a creator, right? These things are actually evidence of order, not chaos. And if there's a creator who was in, intentional about things and designed things, then we would expect to find order, not chaos. Is that my on track? Absolutely. Cool. And, and then to add to that, uh, I was thinking about this last night as we were looking at some of the Psalms. Uh, the Psalms are understood to be um, songs and music. And so we know that music comes from God, at least that's what the Bible tells us. And science would confirm that because without uh, physics and wave physics that work in the way that God designed it, we would not have music. And certainly it would not be music that we find um, emotionally expressive and pleasing to listen to. So then to move on to the uh, second point I mentioned before, we would expect a system that supports human life because uh, the Bible in many places would would say that the most important point, the highlight of God's creation is human life. Um, 
And so what we do see that, um, we see many things, many ways in which the earth supports uh, the existence of life, both plant and animal life and human life. Um, so I have a couple of examples of that, um, two that are maybe a little more abstract and then one that I think everyone should have some understanding of. But um, radiative balance of the earth, radiation, well, what does that mean? Just the temperature that the earth is at. We're getting radiation in from the sun. You feel it when you walk outside on a sunny day and that gets absorbed and reflected and scattered. And then some of that goes back out at night. And when it's a clear night, it cools off in the evening. And we're all pretty familiar with that. But the very specific way in which that works allows the temperature of the earth to be maintained at a livable temperature and in a way that allows for life. And if the earth were closer to the sun, as you mentioned, it would get uh, much warmer. Or if the atmosphere trapped energy in a more than it does, it would be warmer or it could be colder. And so we see a, a system that allows for human life because it was designed to do so. Um, similar to that, uh, not all of the radiation that enters the upper atmosphere is actually able to make it down uh, to the surface. And we're all familiar with this uh, in terms of uh, solar radiation, like UV waves. We're all told use sunscreen so you don't get cancer from UV radiation. Well, there, that's only a very small amount of the harmful radiation. And all the really harmful radiation is uh, trapped and absorbed and reflected back to, the, uh, to space by ozone in the upper atmosphere. And so the ozone layer, um, while it would be extremely harmful to life to have ozone at the surface, having it above the surface where we don't live allows us to uh, have life at the surface because it keeps away harmful um, radiation from space. So to go back to what we said some, at the beginning, um, I can look at that and go, man, we're so lucky. What are the odds that would happen? That's awesome. We're so lucky. Or I can go, God made it that way, right? Absolutely. And if I look at the atmosphere and the way it's uh, designed chemically, the way it interacts with itself, I see a system that God designed because we have weather patterns. So it's not boring. It's not sunny all the time. It's not cold all the time. Right. Um, and it keeps us safe. We can we have the oxygen that we need to breathe while being protected from things that would kill us. Mm. And then the final example I'd like to just kind of hit is the uh, hydrologic cycle. And I think all of us are fairly familiar with this, um, but water is a really interesting uh, substance because it can occur naturally as a solid in the form of ice, as a liquid, or as a gas. And this is actually pretty important because it allows for what's known as the water cycle where you have water evaporating into gas, moving around in the atmosphere, condensing into rain or snow, falling back to the earth, and then um, running off in rivers and streams to the oceans and re-evaporating. You have this continual cycle where water is rained on the earth to provide fresh, clean water. It clears the atmosphere of aerosols like dust. We had a dust storm a few days ago. And um, it, there was rain right after, and all of a sudden, all the dust is gone because the rain clears that out. Um, it can form into rivers and streams. It clears um, 
many forms of harmful harmful things from the surface of the earth sends it into the oceans where the water then evaporates leaving all of the bad things behind and then comes back through weather patterns to dry land and providing fresh water and so especially places here where water is so important we could not survive in this part of the world without the water cycle because we would not have a source and especially not a continual lasting source of fresh water mm. man yeah it's uh it really makes you grateful right <laughs> that uh that god I mean, it sounds silly because of course god thought of everything it makes you grateful that god gave us a place where even in as much as i love lubbock kind of in a way in the middle of nowhere right kind of kind of desert like god still provided a way for us to to have water to have life yeah, absolutely. And you can see that in many parts of the world that even places that are to us seemingly inhospitable and not very habitable, they're still so much better than they would be if we did not have an atmosphere and did not have clean, fresh water, did not have um, nighttime to allow for cool air to come back in. Man, it is, you could, what I love about what we're doing here in this particular conversation is, um, I don't even think we're scratching the surface, right? It's not like, wow, we've detailed every, it's like, that's a drop in the bucket of the design argument, right? Oh, absolutely. There are so many more things, especially if you look at um, biology, anatomy, and subjects that I am far less familiar with. There are so many ways in which everything you look at is perfectly designed. Mm. I, uh, I'm not going to get into this and make it weird, but when my wife and I had our, our twins, or I'm going to correct that, when my wife gave birth to our twins uh, about a year ago, um, man, was more than ever convinced that there's a creator just by um, even the, the idea that there were two little babies inside of her and that, God, that they were being taken care of. Like we weren't doing anything. She was just, just had to eat and take care of herself and God would take care of the babies. Um, of course, now we do have to take care of them, <laughs> but uh, man, just that whole process and I'm not getting into all that, but would just, just blew my mind and just the, um, the specificity and the, and the care that God takes even on a daily basis to, to create humans, you could say it's pretty amazing. Um, well, Tyler, man, I, in all sincerity, appreciate you even doing this and also want to encourage you, and I hope for those who are listening as well, um, I want to encourage you, Tyler, or anybody listening that is, is going into a particular field of science, that we need Christians who are sharp and not afraid to do the hard work of study and um, research to, to be in, in different fields of science and to, uh, man, to proclaim the gospel, to love people well, to serve people well, but also present the truth. And so I appreciate you doing that. And I'm excited about how God's going to use you for the kingdom and, and how he's going to use other um, believers from the journey and wherever uh, for the kingdom in, in the field of, or whatever field of science. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, hey, we love y'all. And uh, we look forward to our next uh, topics podcast and be coming at you hopefully pretty soon. Y'all have a great day. Thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. You can learn more about The Journey by checking us out on Instagram or Facebook. Just search for at the journey LBK.